Our sermon text is in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. And it contains the very first words that Jesus speaks in John's gospel. What are you looking for? Listen as I read. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. John the Baptist is preaching and baptizing and attracting a crowd of followers. He's quick to point out that he is only the opening act, that the main attraction, the Lamb of God, is on the way. And Jesus shows up. Two disciples, one of them Andrew and one other, begin to follow him. And Jesus turns and asks, what are you looking for? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we hear the word this morning, may your question, what are you looking for, be the question for each one of us. And may we reflect on that question. May my words serve to to illuminate that question. And may they serve to both bring encouragement and challenge to all of us. We pray in your name. Amen. Jesus shows up today. Here, now. And he looks at us and he asks the question, what are you looking for? He's not talking about when we are browsing on Amazon or checking the new books at the library or standing in front of the fridge late at night. He's talking about today here, 
now. He's talking about when we come through the doors of the church on Sunday mornings to worship. What are we looking for? He's talking about as we enter into the season of Lent on this first Sunday, will it just be another few months until we get to Easter? Or will we respond to that question? Will that question frame our Lenten season? What are you looking for? He's talking about our everyday lives. As we live, live our lives, are we continually looking for Jesus? Are we continually looking for how he is working in our lives and in the world? Are we continually looking for what he wants to teach us and show us? What are you looking for? The fourth century bishop known as Theodore the interpreter wrote that Jesus asked the question of the two disciples in order to give them an occasion to trust him. They respond by entering into that trust, first by acknowledging that Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher, and then by asking him what seems like a strange question, where are you living? And finally, by responding to his invitation to come and see by following him. Today, here, now, we have the opportunity to trust Jesus, to put our faith in him, to follow him from here to the world out there. There is a sense as we look at the entire Gospel of John that it is all about answering this basic question. What are you looking for? Are you looking for bread, the basic needs of life? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Are you looking for enlightenment? Jesus says, I am the light. Are you looking for hope in the darkness of this world? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Are you looking for the way to live? Jesus says, I am the way. Are you looking for truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. Are you looking for an abundant life? Jesus says, I am the life. Are you looking for meaning in the face of death, hoping for life after death? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. What are you looking for today, here, now? 
I wonder how our experience of worship might be different if we came every Sunday looking for Jesus. If we came expecting him to be present, expecting to meet him in the lyrics of a hymn, in the words of a prayer, in the breaking of the bread, and the encouragement of a friend, and even in the sermon of a preacher who needs Jesus as much as you do. I wonder how our Monday through Saturday lives would be different if we were continually looking for Jesus. When I was in college and a Young Life club leader, I remember going to uh, the area director complaining that Young Life was taking too much time. After all, you know, I was in college. After all, I had a girlfriend. After all, I had other things to do. And he looked at me, and he simply asked a question. Well, really not a question, a statement. He said, well, I guess you have to decide what you're looking for in life. I guess you have to decide whether you're going to seek first the kingdom of God, whether or not Jesus is most important in your life. I walked away asking myself that question. By the way, the girlfriend soon broke up with me. <laughs> so it was a little easier to answer the question. What are we looking for? I'm convinced that we all long for the presence of God in our lives. As a deer pants for living water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. The psalmist reminds us. God is the one who is our dwelling place in all generations. The one who is our strength and shield. The one who is our rock and our salvation. The one who brings forgiveness and life and hope to our lives. We long for the presence of God with a deep, aching hunger. In fact, I am more and more convinced that every desire in our lives is at root a desire for God, for his presence. A hunger as sure as our hunger for food. St. Augustine observed that our hearts are restless until they find the rest that is only found in God. Philosopher Blaise Pascal made a similar point by saying that each of us is born with an empty place in our hearts. 
a void that is in the shape of God. This place is a, a hungering, God-shaped place where only God fits and only God can fill. And yet we are tempted every day to fill that space with other things to try to fit a square peg in a round hole. To paraphrasing the prophet Isaiah from the text read earlier, spend our money for that which is not bread and our labor for that which does not satisfy. We're tempted to try and fill that space with other things, human relationships, careers, material possessions, forgetting that nothing and no one can entirely fill it. That sooner or later it all will leave us unsatisfied with empty corners in our hearts that will ache and with a sense of incompleteness in our lives. Playwright and poet Eugene O'Neill put it another way. He said, man, and I would add woman, is born broken. He, she, lives by mending, and the grace of God is glue. What are we looking for? What are we longing for? I believe it is a relationship with Jesus, and I believe that in finding Jesus, we find ourselves, and I believe in finding Jesus, the broken, scattered pieces of our lives are mended through his gluey grace. And I believe we find healing when we see ourselves as Jesus sees us. Have you ever stood in front of one of those carnival mirrors that makes you look different than you are? I always kind of liked them because they made me look taller and thinner. But that was a distortion of who I really was, distorting my true image, Jesus helps us to know who we really are, children of God, made in his image, created to live with and for him. In the end, isn't that what we're looking for? The true version, the best version, the mended, healed, whole version of ourselves, what are we looking for? We are looking for the Jesus who knows us completely, who accepts us unconditionally, and who loves us just as we are. And calls us to be more than we are. Her name was Linda, and she came to the very first Young Life Club I ever led. 
Linda had muscular dystrophy. And so when she walked in, she was, her body was contorted, her walk was difficult. And when she talked, it was hard to understand her. And I looked at Linda and my first thought was, oh no. How are these kids going to receive her? These 50 kids in this room, all of whom are concerned about how they look and how other people see them. It turned out Linda wasn't concerned about that at all. Linda had already given her life to Christ. She had found what she was looking for. And she saw herself through the eyes of Christ. Linda became a leader in that club. And about halfway through the year, I asked her if she could give her testimony. of how she'd found mending in God's blue grace. When she spoke, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Every kid could not take his or her eyes off of Linda. And she talked about the Jesus who had met her just as she was. The Jesus who loved her. The Jesus who would Make her whole one day. And heaven, where she would stand up straight. And she said she couldn't wait for that. because she wanted to dance. On that night, four kids 
who came to club for all kinds of reasons other than Jesus gave their lives to Christ. They did not know what they were looking for. Well, they kind of did. A couple of guys were looking for cute girls. But she helped them understand what they were really looking for in their lives. And even as I speak of her, I can see her. And I can see Jesus in her today, here, now. What are you looking for? Amen. We're going to take a few minutes to be quiet to reflect on this word, to allow Jesus to help us answer that question for ourselves today. What are we looking for? So let's be quiet.